Welcome to Shedding Shackles. Today's topic is how evil gets inside. And now here's your Shedding Shackles host, Roland Trujillo. Hello everyone, welcome. My name is Roland. The program is called Shedding Shackles. Let's take a call from our listener call in line. Hi, I am Dave from Long Beach, California, and I am calling in regard to some of the arguments between the uh, between the Pharisees and Jesus. Um, I recently learned that the Pharisees are arguing with Jesus over healing on the Sabbath, or, or praying for healing on the Sabbath. Uh, and recently, I I spoke to some Orthodox Jews about this, and they told me that there's nothing wrong with healing on the Sabbath and that this argument couldn't have occurred because the rabbis would have no problem with, you, with praying or helping others heal on the Sabbath. Um, they were perplexed, and as am I. Uh, so what? how do we figure this out? What was the problem with healing? What r- problems do the rabbis have with healing on the Sabbath? It seems like that is not true, according to rabbis that I've asked. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. That's a very good question. Well, Jesus, you see, had life in him. And his words had life. He said that. He said, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. His words had life in them. And when he spoke, people who liked where he was coming from were awakened to joy and to life. But these Pharisees, people who didn't like where he was coming from, also had a sort of an awakening. But they awakened to to feel like they didn't like what he was saying. Something about what he was saying they didn't like. In fact, something in them hated what he was saying. Now, it's a strange thing, but we're not all the same. Some of us are destined for good and some for the opposite. And how this comes to be, I don't know. It's a mystery. But even in your own family, you have people who love the truth and people who deep down don't love it. Now, you can't tell the difference between them. When you see them walking around, everybody just looks the same. But here's an example that I once heard a man give. It's, it's so good that uh, I can't think of a better one. He said, suppose you were having a gathering, a party maybe, and people were standing around and, you know, having little cocktails or something and little hors d'oeuvres. And then all of a sudden, there was one man at one end of the room speaking, and, and it was Jesus. And then at the other end of the room, there was a man speaking, and it was it was Hitler or Saddam Hussein. Let's say Saddam Hussein. Well, before long, you would see it dividing up, and you would see some people gravitating toward Jesus and kind of liking what he was saying. And then you would see other people gravitating toward Saddam Hussein and kind of liking what he was saying. And the, the dividing up, it could be your brother your aunt, 
your parent, your sister, your friend. And there they are, enjoying what Saddam Hussein is saying, because deep down we're not all the same. Now, what was it about Jesus that they, what he said that they didn't like? It wasn't that he was healing on the Sabbath. They didn't like anything he said. He could have, he could have been reading the phone book. He could have read the phone book and something in them would, would not like what he was saying or, or the way he was saying it. Now, I have to tell you that these Pharisees, these letter of the law types, are everywhere. You find them in school settings. You find them in, in homes. You find them in agencies and among bureaucrats, and you find them everywhere. The letter of the law types. So let's talk about that a little bit. But here's the number one thing that I want to tell you. This is important. This is the main thing. Don't hate them. Don't hate them. Don't resent them. Just see that they don't get it and don't hate them. And yes, you could say a word of truth, perhaps, but there's not much you can say because anything you say, they will twist. So you will be safe if you don't hate them. Now, I'm going to to recount what I have often said many times, and I'll recount it again. And it's a scene that occurs all over the world, in every continent, every nation, every people. The family is sitting at the dinner table, and a couple of the kids are giggling about something. They're full of happiness, and they're giggling about something, and all of a sudden, the parent rises up and says, Stop that giggling! Wipe that grin off your face! Quiet! You see it in every country. I don't want to say in every family, but unfortunately in a lot of families, there's something in that parent that does not like innocence. It doesn't like happiness. It doesn't like sweetness. And what is it that's in that person that doesn't like it? Well, it's something dark. And how did it get into them? It got into them a long time ago when they were little children and somebody did the same thing to them and it, it made them angry and it made them resentful. I'm a man with a microphone, so I, people ask, no, I don't have a church. I do not have a church. I'm just a person, and I open my mouth and I talk. And if what I say strikes a responsive chord, then that's good. And the thing got inside. So it gets into people. Now, some of you who one day will start to wake up and realize you're, there's something wrong with that and have a change of heart, and begin your journey back toward your Creator, some of you. Even you have some of that in you. Some of it in you, or a lot of it in you. But the difference between you and those Pharisees, and the difference between you and the parent who doesn't like the innocence of the child and does everything she can to destroy the innocence of the child. And then later, 
much later when the child confronts that parent. When the child is now an adult and said, Mom or Dad, I'll just say Mom, and this is an example, Mom, when I was a kid, you, you said these things to me and you, you, uh, you did these things to me, and I don't hate you anymore, but I just want you to, to know that it was wrong, and I want you to apologize for it. What? What are you talking about? I didn't do that. Why? I'm think, I think you're having some psychological issues. I, I'm going to go and see if I can get you some help. Yes, the very one, the very perpetrator. Yes, the perpetrator blames the victim and denies what they did. So you have to be prepared for that. If that happens, don't resent them. Don't resent the person. Just walk away, shake the dust from your sandals and live, and live your life. But now free. So now, I said the Pharisees were the ones that were letter of the law types. You find them everywhere. You, you even find them in... Um, well, haven't you ever wondered why? Why, for example, now we have schools everywhere. We have advanced mathematics and computers and, and we have satellites out in space and so on. You would think that physics would be advancing, advancing to some wonderful discoveries which are just beyond our grasp. They're there, but physics is stuck. How is it stuck? It's the letter of the law types. The letter of the law types that are there saying, I'll pick something just for example, they'll say that the, the centrifugal force is a fictitious force. And they require you to say that. Oh yes, the centrifugal force is a fictitious force. So everywhere you go, you have, you're, set, you're forced to say that. And you go along with it, you know, you read it in the book and then you say it. And when you're lecturing to your students, you, 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 you tell them that. But rare is the person who questions it. Well, remember a long time ago, a long time ago, there used to be a bumper sticker that, that said, question authority. Well, that's right, you have to ask questions. People like Albert Einstein, he asked questions. Did you know, now here's another example. That's why I'm telling you, these Pharisee types are everywhere. The Pharisees are everywhere. They're in science, they're in medicine, they're in law, they're in religion, they're in in schools, they're in homes, they're everywhere. But what I was going to say is Albert Einstein, when he was a kid, one of the teachers hated him. Why? Because Albert Einstein sat at the back of the class with a kind of a, a little grin on his face. You know, kind of like Alfred E. Newman from Mad Magazine. What? Me worry? He had a little grin on his face. And this Pharisee, who was the math teacher, hated that. See? So now I want you to see that they're everywhere. But here's an interesting thing. And remember I told you that your number one line of defense is don't hate them. Don't hate them. Don't resent them. Just see, because you yourself have been a letter of the law type, haven't you? You yourself have imposed rules and regulations and uh, on your kids, and you forced them. All they did was, was giggle a little bit or, or spill something, and you yelled at them and forced them to go to their room for a timeout. And you've done all of that too, haven't you? You've been cold with someone. They came to you, and then you, you had a, 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 um, a, a, what's the word I want? A kind of a supercilious, uh, business-like, 
hard, cold way of talking to them because you wanted to just put them off. You did. You didn't want to really talk to them as a human being. So you've you've been the letter of the law type. So it's been it's in you, and you've been that way. And now it's just for you to to practice my little meditation, if if you would like to, to help you to stand back and be more objective. That's what you need is objectivity. So you can stand back and just watch these things. And then when you go out and do your things and so on, when be with your family, then all of a sudden you'll see that letter of the law spirit in you. You'll see it in you, that cruel, that heartless spirit. You'll see it and you won't like it. Well, what I was going to say, the difference between us and, and the Pharisees, those of us who are destined for returning to our Creator, is that we, when we see that in ourselves, we don't like it. We have conflict over it. But one final touch, I wanted to tell you that if I'm not mistaken, Paul said somewhere that he had once himself been a Pharisee. He had been one. You know, he was very learned. He was very lettered. But he had a change of heart, didn't he? He did. He had a change of heart about that. So that's all you need is a change of heart. That's all you need. And soften up a little bit. Let your hair down and just be a regular person. Stop putting on an act for other people. And get the little meditation if you could. Give it a try. It might be very helpful to you. If you have a question you would like Roland to address on the air, give us a call at 510-455-8851. That's 510-455-8851. Send Roland an email at roland at sheddingshackles.com. Hello everyone, welcome. This is a special audio-only presentation that I'm making, and I wanted to talk today about um, awareness, how beautiful awareness is, and how many of you have only bits and pieces of awareness from time to time. You kind of fade in and out, and some of you have very little, and some have none. It's one of my favorite topics. I've talked about it for many, many years. Today, I just want to say, first of all, that awareness is the very key to your recovery. Recovery from whatever you, whatever ails you. Whatever problems you have now, on the outside or the inside, are most likely the symptoms of a deeper cause. And what is the deeper cause? It is your separation from God. When you are aware, you have self-sovereignty. You are in command of your faculties. You're in command of your, of your emotions. And your thoughts serve your awareness. And your awareness is the state of mind in which you can serve God. You cannot serve God when you're lost in your imagination or in thoughts, or lost in study, or lost in emotions. There, you are at best operating at an animal emotional level, but more than that, you are subject to outside influences. 
To serve God, you must be subject to him. And to be subject to God, you must be aware. That is the state in which you can serve God. Now, I'm going to give you a very simple example. Please listen carefully. And the example that I will give should make it very clear. When you were a little child, you did something wrong. You became very angry at your mommy, or you stole something from some other kid, like that. Or you said something really mean to someone because you wanted to hurt them because you were angry at them. After you did any of those, you felt bad. Before anybody said anything to you, you felt bad. And what was this feeling bad? It was your conscience. You knew in your heart that you had done something that wasn't right. You were aware. As a little tiny child, you were actually aware. Now, you were only a little child, so then things got complicated. People came and they tried to make you feel bad. And maybe they did. So then you had emotions. Maybe they tried to scare you. And there's more emotions. Maybe they yelled at you or screamed at you or lectured you and made you feel rebellious. You didn't want to listen to what they said. Maybe they messed everything up and so you didn't want to say you were sorry. Somehow they, they meddled and messed things up. But the pure moment, the pure moment when you, by yourself, quietly within, realize something, that is your moment where you are close to your Creator and where you are aware. You too can learn the art of watching and remaining centered with the help of our free meditation. To learn more, visit SheddingShackles.com, SheddingShackles.net, or SheddingShackles.us and click on Meditation. It's so beautiful. So the next time, if you're an adult, if you, if you still have any conscience left, some of us are so far from our conscience we don't even notice it anymore. If we feel anything, it's just a vague anxiety. What you don't realize is that that anxiety means that, that your conscience is near. But anyway, at some point, you happen to do somebody wrong, and then afterwards you feel bad in your heart then I was going to say rejoice. Yeah, rejoice, because you know what? You're close to God in that moment. So when you feel bad when you did somebody wrong, or you hated somebody, or you were unfair with somebody, or you, you could have helped them, but you turned your back on them because you were selfish, and then you feel bad inside. Well, that means you, you have a conscience. It means that... You, for a moment there, you're a little bit closer to God. Now, if you could hang on to that, if you could hang on to it and stay with it and not lose it, I don't mean to, to be... See, what we do then is we, you try to beat yourself up. Then you immediately try to blame yourself and get angry at yourself, and then you rush to try to make things right and smooth everything over to save face and to paper everything over and so you won't lose any benefits or any perks. And you, you, it gets very complicated. You mess it all up. 
But if you could just stay with that pure moment of feeling bad and not try to do anything about it, just experience it. And then you stayed with that. That would be the beginning of your return to your Creator. So, now, do you understand what awareness is? So, awareness is the most beautiful thing because it has all the power to make things right. But here's what I wanted to say today. Let me just read you what I wrote here. Watch your errors as they appear. Realize them objectively and they will disappear. All things are rectified and brought into obedience in the light. Even evil must obey God and obey God's command and God's will. See, if you become aware and you watch and you see something, you see an error, for example, you realize the error in the light. Now it is exposed to the light. And in the light, first of all, you are no longer subject to the error. You are observing it. You are subject to God. That's the key point I want to make. You, subject to God, subject to his light, are observing the error. There's a little distance between you and it, and you watch it. And you know what? Often it will simply dissolve away. It will go away. Things It will become righted in some way. And it's like magic. And you didn't do anything. You just looked at it objectively. You exposed it to the light. And yes, even evil things, and yes, there are there is such a thing as evil. You can't taste it, touch it, or smell it, but it exists. And yes, even it is subject to God, not to you. But when you stand back and you watch it, let's say that there was something there that was not that was bad, and you just watched it. It would feel exposed. It would be observed in the light. So that's what you must learn how to do, is to watch everything. All your issues, your problems, your ailments, your relationship problems, your compulsive thoughts, your emotional reactions, your everything. You must become aware and expose them to the light. Observe them in the light. You will be subject to God and not to them. And that also includes your thoughts. When you're lost in thought, lost in daydreams, lost in imagination, you're not subject to God. But when you stand back and you observe thought as thought, you're no longer subject to thought. Now you're subject to God and you are observing thought. Can you see that? So let me continue here what I said. When we want to be aware and watch objectively, Things will come forth that were hidden or suppressed or which were hiding. The error has to be seen. The soul is the conduit for the light. When we are unaware or, or do not see and we do not bring the power of the light to bear on things, then we're subject to them. So we must see our errors, which includes awareness, and observe them objectively. It is then brought into alignment, whatever is wrong then, or the error, is then brought into alignment with the light. When we see rightly, we can no longer continue in error, as we see the error is error, and our soul is made aright. Objectivity includes seeing error as error, and then doing what is right. 
If you are truly objective to your problem, you are subject only to God. The body must be brought into alignment also, and so we meditate to make the body subject to, to the light. So do you understand now? When you meditate, you stand back from thought, your inner, inner light, and you become aware of your hands, and thereby you extend the light to your hands, and your hand responds to your noticing it. Your fingers, for example, when you notice, let's say your index finger, when you notice it in a meditative state, it tingles a little bit, it responds. It responds to your noticing it, and it responds to the light which is in you. And thereby, you're extending the light to your body, and your body learns to also be subject to the light. See, right now, your body is wholly or partially subject to the outside. You have precious little control over your emotions, don't you? If somebody says something or does something, then anger rises, or fear, or rage or something or other, and you have very little control over it. All you can do is suppress it and brush it under the carpet or hide it or run run away, but what are you going to do? Or express it and then make things worse? Wouldn't it be nice if your emotions were subject to God? Wouldn't that be nice? Well, that can become a fact in your life. If you can practice a little meditation, morning, noon, and evening for a few minutes, and you want God in your life. See, that's the thing. You want to be aware. You want him in your life. You're willing to admit you're wrong. You're willing to look at things and see things in his light. And when you do, you realize that the soul is the observer. That's your proper role. And let God, let God take care of things. Let him operate on things in the light. Let him make bad things dissolve away. And he will. All you have to do is practice a little meditation and yearn for, to know the purpose for your existence and be willing to admit you're wrong. And then, yes, you'll see little things that you did wrong, but then you'll also see beautiful shining truths. Beautiful shining truths, more beautiful than you could imagine. All the things that you heard in church that you used to love, now you will see them for yourself. It'll be refreshing and Everything will be bright and sweet and wonderful in God's inner light. Your whole world for, will change for the better. All you need to do is yearn for the light and practice a little meditation. Did you know that my most popular book is The Myths and Mysteries of Marriage? A spiritual and practical look at relationships. My favorite chapter is How to Forgive and Forget. The Myths and Mysteries of Marriage. Check it out at Amazon.com or SheddingShackles.com. Until next time, Lord willing, and the Greek don't rise. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Shedding Shackles with your host, Roland Trujillo. Now you can listen to Roland anytime by logging on to www.sheddingshackles.com. You'll find lots of free, helpful information, and you can also order materials or make a donation by using your credit card. Once again, the web address is SheddingShackles.com. Please remember that Shedding Shackles is listener-supported. Thank you. <laughs>